Hey guys, and welcome to the Mixtape Podcast, a podcast dedicated to deconstructing films that we, and hopefully you love, from a screenwriter's perspective. I will be your host, Dean Stark, and I am joined by my co-host with the most, Marcelo Inostroza. So this week, we have a childhood favorite. We have the movie Hook that was uh, released in 1991, directed by one of the best, Steven Spielberg. And I wanted to ask you, Marcelo, because this was your pick, is this one of your favorite childhood movies? Is that why you picked it? Yes, absolutely. Hook is actually one of my favorite childhood movies. I cannot tell you how many times I actually sat in front of the television uh, watching my local, you know, TBS station, wanting the station to play this movie randomly. And I, 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 I just was addicted to this movie as a child. I found something so magical and something so fun about it. But the main reason why I picked it was because it's one of my favorite children. It's one of my favorite films from childhood. And it's one of my favorite Spielberg films. You know, this might be surprising. I've only ever seen this movie once, and that was like 20 years ago. <laughs> okay, okay. So watching it again was like a bloody blast from the past. Like I just, okay. I was just, yeah, it was it was crazy. I was like, whoa, I remember. It just took me back to like being a kid yeah. because it's just, yeah, it's such a good movie. It's just such a good movie. So anyway, um, the premise is when Peter Pan's children are abducted by Captain Hook, he is forced to return to Neverland. Um, so the opening scene, and this movie, by the way, has really, really, really great character development, I thought, just by like all all the characters, including Captain Hook, including Peter Pan, like everybody had really good character development, uh, which is a credit to the writing. So anyway, the opening scene of this movie, we're at a school uh, like a, an, I think it's an elementary school because we call it private, not private. We call it primary school here. So an elementary school, school recital, and they're doing a play of, you guessed it, Peter Pan. And Robin Williams is sitting in the audience next to his wife and he uh, he's a lawyer and it's his daughter. It's his daughter in the um, uh, recital. Uh, is it, wait a minute, is it his daughter in the recital? Is it? Yes, yes. It is, it is, it is. Yeah, yes. yeah, right, right. It is. So anyway, they're doing the Peter Pan play. So he gets a call from work and, you know, he's kind of scooting down and everybody can hear him and he's trying to be quiet and he's like going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there for the meeting. Don't worry. And his son's sitting next to him and he's like, don't worry, I'll be there for your baseball game. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll be there. Don't worry. Like, I promise. Like, it's my word to you that I will be there. Um, and then, and he he said, "Look, we got to catch a flight to London tomorrow, but don't worry, I'll take the meeting and I'll be at your baseball game." Next minute, we're at the baseball game the next day, and this poor kid is walking up to the baseball pitch. He's about what is he about like ten or nine or eight, nine, ten, something like that. He's walking up to the baseball pitch, and he's looking around for his dad, and his dad is not there. His mum is there, and his little sister is there. And oh my god, his his little sister is wearing a baggy t-shirt, a baggy jacket, a backwards hat, and she's like six, a backwards hat, and she's stuffing her face with the hot dog. And I'm like, this is me. This is me, and this is everything that I want to be. I just I loved her. Like everything she says in the movie is just fucking like I felt like she had the best <laughs> she had the best dialogue because for me, she was really the only one that kind of had a brain. Anyway, so we kind of intercut between baseball the baseball game and 
uh, Robin Williams' character, Peter, who's at work. He's a lawyer. He's a businessman. He's very busy. He's on his phone all the time. There's people trying to like, oh, do this, sign this, do this, you know, all this kind of crap. And he goes, he looks at his watch and he goes, shit, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So he sends one of his like lackeys to the baseball pitch to film it so he can watch it later. And which I think is, I mean, it's smart, but it's not, it's kind of not smart. So his son turns around looking for his, he's just about to hit uh, bat, turns around, his dad's not there, but he sees a guy with a camera and he knows, he knows his dad isn't coming. His dad has obviously done this before, sent someone to film him so he can watch it later. And you just see like this little boy's face just absolutely just drop. And the pitcher pitches and he swings, he misses the ball and he loses the game. And you're just like, oh no. <laughs> um, Peter rushes to the, he's, you see him rushing to the baseball pitch, but everyone's gone. I mean, he's like so fucking, he's so fucking late. Um, so what did you think about those two scenes as a setup to the story and for like character development? The setup of this movie is really, really ingenious because this movie does not waste any time whatsoever. From the opening scene when Peter Banning takes the phone call during his daughter's recital, you can tell that although he wants to be a part of his kids' lives, in some way, shape, or fashion, the thing, the thing that he really cares about and the thing that he's kind of addicted to is work. He doesn't, he, Peter Banning doesn't realize that we only have a select amount of years with our children. And after, after they reach a certain age, it'll be, it'll be Peter Banning and his wife wanting to get their attention rather than, rather than them trying to get his attention. So this, this, uh, these two opening sequence, these two opening sequences really do a great job uh, in illustrating that that Peter is a father who is always absent, who is never really there for his kids, no matter how much they want him to be. So I thought that the, I thought I thought from a writing aspect, it was extremely extremely effective. And the moment that I love from the opening sequence when they're all in the recital. Is when after after when Peter Banning picks up the phone call and he says to Jack, you know, uh, we'll make it a short meeting. I have to be at my son's game. It's the last one of the season. I have to be there. He turns to Jack and he says, My word is my bond. And I'm like, Holy shit, he's swearing to be there. And then ne- and then the next scene, he's not there. But just before he says that. Spielberg does something very, very intelligent. He just switches the camera over to his wife. And all his wife says is, Peter, you're missing it. And that one line encapsulates everything that is wrong with the way that Peter Banning is 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 being a father at this moment. So it's just really, really wonderful. Yeah, I agree. The setup with the characters is so good. And the setup the 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 setup with the characters continues into the next scene which i love this scene they're on the fl- if you want to know how old this movie is folks um they're on a pan am flight <laughs> so if you don't know what pan am is you're too young <laughs> so anyway um 
Peter, Peter's afraid of flying, but it's not said, it's shown because he's clutching his seat. There's like this, the minimal, minimal amount of turbulence. Nobody else cares. He's clutching his seat. He's sweating. He's got anxiety. And so you can just tell he is, um, he's afraid of flying. And I love, again, this little girl, I love her. She, she shoves a, a, a drawing in front of his face and it's, it's of a, plane that's burning and crashing to the ground and there are all these there are these there are these people with parachutes right so there's it's so good isn't it but that's not the funniest bit her face is the funniest bit because she's so happy about it she's like look 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 at this and she's like smiling and i'm like oh my god and so this this drawing of this plane like burning crashing to the ground and it's got her in it, like, you know, her in it, got a parachute, you know, the son's got a parachute, the mum's got a parachute, and then there's the dad, Peter, no parachute. And he's like, where's my parachute? <laughs> and she's like, oh, he didn't draw one. And then you realise the son drew the drew the painting and you're like, oh. And again, that's another way to express the son is pissed. Without telling us, it showed us because the writing is just that good in the movie that it's just, you don't have to ask, oh, are you okay, son? No, no, no. There's none of that shit. The son literally drew the plane going down in flames with the dad not having a fucking parachute. Like, if that, if that doesn't say anything, I don't fucking know what does. So he sits next to his son. He has a talk with his son and his son just doesn't want to fucking talk, ignoring him. And he's like, but why didn't you draw me with a, a parachute? And he's just like, like, I didn't like, you know why he didn't like, why are you asking? You know why he didn't. And so they have a little talk and they have a little bit of an argument because he's got a baseball and he's throwing it up against the window and he, and Peter's like, don't do that. It's a window. He goes, but it's like reinforced. And he's like tapping the window, which it is like, you can't really break it. And fucking Robin Williams or Peter is like, oh, just grow up. Will you just grow up? Which again is great dialogue because we're watching a movie called uh, Peter Pan. Tell me your thoughts on the, the plane, the flight scene. No, the flight scene is absolutely fantastic. And you know what is so great about it? We're watching a movie about, we're watching, a, essentially, we are watching a Peter Pan movie. And have you ever seen Peter Pan be afraid of flying or be afraid of heights? So Steven Spielberg did, a, Steven Spielberg and the writer of this movie did a wonderful job of making the adult version of Peter Pan the exact opposite of what he really is. And and by yeah. giving and by giving him these early these early character flaws like like being addicted to work, not understanding that you need to spend time with your kids. Peter Banning basically basically has forgotten how to enjoy life, right? Yeah. So all so all this setup, all, all the all the all the hats that are being laid on the ground in, in, in these first couple scenes that we are that that we have been talking about is all going to be paid off once we mm. get to Neverland and that ladies and gentlemen is such good storytelling and also if i just could i mean this is obvious but Steven Spielberg does so much by just moving the camera and showing and showing little tiny moments and little tiny interactions between between uh, uh, his characters, like uh, like uh, the Pan Am flight, right? Yeah. But when we first get into the plane, like you said, turbulence everywhere. You got you got food shaking. You got people drinking <laughs> and 
and bopping up and down all over the place. But Spielberg does something very simple. He just pans over to uh, Peter Banning and you see him clutching his seat. So without physically saying anything, you understand that Peter is afraid of flying and he doesn't like heights. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that is the way that you, that you communicate something to your audience. The best way to communicate something to your audience from a directing standpoint and from a writing standpoint is to show your audience. Show. Don't tell your audience. Don't talk down to your audience. Believe that your audience is smart enough to figure out what's going on here. And I just, mm. I, I, I also love Peter's constant, Peter constantly tries to, to level with Jack and try to make him understand that he's too busy or that he's going to make, he's going to make it up to him somehow. And, and the fact is, he, the fact is he doesn't get it. He doesn't really understand how precious these moments are until his kids are taken away from him, which we're going to get to. But I just love, mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love the setup from a directing standpoint and from a writing standpoint, because everything so far has been set up so beautifully. Yeah, it has. I agree with everything you said. So the next scene, uh, we're in London and they get to they get to their place. And <laughs> here we meet we meet Wendy, who is uh basically Professor McGonagall. And if you don't know that name, you're too young yep. for this podcast. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, by, the, yeah, by, yeah. by the way, I just want to say she is awesome in this role as well as She's awesome in everything she does. I mean, she yeah. was she was she was um, the head sister and sister act. Anything Maggie Smith does is fucking. Oh yeah, like, that's right. That's yeah, right. she's amazing, Maggie Smith. She's fucking amazing. I love her in everything. Um, so she's the great grandmother of Peter's kids. The thing is with Maggie Smith is, and I find this really funny. This movie was made in 1991, and I swear to God, now she looks exactly the same. Either the woman was born old, or she just doesn't fucking age. I've never seen her young at all. <laughs> I've only ever seen her old. Was she ever young or was she just put into this like old woman's body? I don't know. Oh she looks God. the same. Does she not look the fucking same? You know like what? in everything she does, she's the fucking she looks the same. She doesn't age. You know what? You know what? You do make a good point because because I mean I mean just a just a little aside here. There are actors that we see throughout the course of our lives, and if and if we're from a certain generation we only see those actors in one stage of their career. So we only know them yeah. as one thing. That's like, yeah. that's like me, for example, right? I love Star Trek, right? I have no idea what Patrick Stewart looks like as a younger man. Cause I've never seen oh, yeah. him as a younger man. Oh yeah. Another one that was born into an old body. <laughs> yeah, was he, he ever young? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. He's, <laughs> he, he has always been this old guy. So it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's really funny how, how if you're again if you're served from a certain age you just see actors yeah. at a certain age and you think that that and you think that's the age that they were born at but obviously they weren't yeah over me clearly yeah <laughs> but it's just funny i'm like fuck maggie smith is all she she does not she's like a clone they must be cloning her anyway we've gone off on a fucking tangent let's get fucking back to the story so the next scene um peter gets a phone call from work 
and he's in his room and his kids just – and kids do this. They're really quiet. Not that I have kids, but, like, my friends have kids. I know that they do this. They're really quiet. And then once you have to do something that requires silence, they start making noise. Whether they do this on purpose, I don't fucking know. But they all, all kids do it. And it's like, oh. wait a minute. Two minutes ago, you were quiet. And now you're yelling and screaming. I don't know what oh, that is. Can I, um, can, I, uh, can, can I just add something just so, something yeah, yeah, really yeah. quick? Yeah. Um, so, so before that scene, when, when Peter, uh, Jack, Maggie and, uh, Moira show up to the house and as, and as they're walking up to the house, Peter, Peter goes up to the wrong house number, first of all. Oh yeah. And second of all, second of all, Jack almost breaks his neck on the fucking banister outside. Mm. And I, I love, I love when just about when Peter's about to knock, he says, he says to his kids and he says to everyone, remember guys you're in london the 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 um the place of good manners right so peter <laughs> so peter knocks on the door and toodles opens the door toodles is one of granny wendy's or or he is granny wendy's first orphan right he opens yeah. the door and he says it's snowing and he slams it in his face <laughs> and i'm like that that moment when i was a kid had me laughing and What's also great about that moment is Jack is chewing some gum and he's and and he finds it so funny that when he laughs he chokes on his gum and Peter slaps in the in the in the back to 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 ex to um to uh to you know to to get rid of the gum so he doesn't choke. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. also a really great scene is uh, when the door is opened up again. Granny Wendy's helper or whoever she, I don't I, I don't know her name. Yeah, uh, she she starts to freak out at these kids and seeing Moira and seeing Peter and seeing everybody. But the great thing that I love that Robin Williams adds here, or if it's in the script, I'm not exactly sure. He can never remember the name of a person, and I'm like, oh, like me, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, that is so me. I I love that little that little early quirk that they gave mm-hmm. Robin in this movie that he ne- that he never gets a person's name right. Yeah, it is. It is so great. Also, also uh, the uh, the first time that we see Granny Wendy at the top of the stairs. That is yeah. such a lovely scene, and it's and it's and it's it's a small moment, but it's it's very well directed by Steven Spielberg. It is. It is because yeah. because the camera just pans over and sees this mm-hmm. woman standing at the top of the stairs, and mm-hmm. the score by John Williams also as she walks down the stairs mm-hmm. is so great. And the thing that Moira says. To 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 Granny Wendy when she comes down the stairs, she goes, "I told you I get him here. I told you I get him here, Grand. I told you I get him here, Grand, by by hook or by crook." And I'm like, "That is such mm. a Peter Pan line." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So all that, all that, all that stuff is so great. I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, it is. It is. It is great. Um, so after after all that, um, this is when Peter's on the phone and then his kids start making noise for whatever fucking – and they're making lots of noise. They're not just, like, talking. They're, like, banging things. They're jumping they're on playing. the bed. Like, Yeah, but they're playing. But, you know, obviously someone's – you know, go away. Like, go <laughs> – like, you're in your father's bedroom. Piss off. Go away. Like, I cannot – I can't even. Like, I – and then – and then, hold on, hold on. And then he basically just loses it and tells them to shut up and get the fuck out, which I would have done the same thing. Like, honestly, you're on the phone. And, and, but the thing is, the mum should have actually like got them out of the room, I think. 
Um, I don't know. Just if someone's on the phone and there's kids, you know, ferry them out of the room. But, I mean, again, it's character development for him. And when he says that, Wendy's listening outside the door and she's just, her face just drops. And, you, I mean, you kind of know this, you know the story. And Wendy's just like, oh, my God, he's just lost all his childlike self. He's lost it. All that wonder, all that, all that, all that. That just the just the inner child is lost. He doesn't have that anymore, and you saw that just by one look from Maggie Smith, which I thought was was excellent. Great directing, by the way, too. Um, oh yeah. No, but I also I, I I also agree with you, but I kind of I kind of disagree because the what uh, Peter's Peter's wife Moira uh, so far in this movie has has said on several occasions, Peter, you're missing it. Or, you know, where's your father? Because Moira has been trying to make Peter understand that these precious moments with your young children, when they actually want your attention, these years when you when when your kids think that you are the most amazing person on the face of this planet, those mem- those moments and those years only come around once. And if you miss them, you're never going to get them back. And I think that that scene really, really drove home the point of how upset Moira is with Peter because they came here to sort of get Peter out of his own head and to sort of get give Peter a break from work. They came here so he could enjoy his family, and yet he's still working like an alcoholic. So he still doesn't get it. And 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 I think I I I think that moment when Moira throws the phone out of the fucking window is great, because because you know that's the moment where she just says fuck it, I've had it with you, and she launches the phone out the window. So I agree with you that she should have ferried the kids out of the room. But from a script standpoint, I thought that scene was very, very important to drive home the point even more that Peter doesn't understand. I agree, hundred percent. I'm I'm thinking about it just from like a, per, a like a person's perspective, but from a from a screenwriting perspective, yeah, the scene absolutely works. And when she throw she grabs his phone, throws it out the window into the snow. That comes back later, which I love. That's like a little hat. That's like a setup. Hat on the so, ground. Yeah, so that's 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 important. She basically has a talk with him and she says, get your fucking shit together, get your priorities straight because like you just said, your kids are only going to be want to be around you once. Like there's going to be a time where you're going to struggle to spend time with them. Like this is the time. Like, But he still kind of doesn't get it. He doesn't get it because he just fucking, yeah, he will get it because we go on an adventure, but he doesn't get it yet. So anyway, um, uh, Peter, his wife, and Wendy go to like a benefit thing. Uh, so they're all out of the house, and the kids have gone to sleep. And then it kind of intercuts between the benefit and the kids' bedroom. Um, and I love the window because the window there's like a double window that goes onto like a small balcony, and to lock it is a hook, which I thought so was good. really kind of really so ingenious. It's really little, it's really subtle, but it's really cool. And I'm like, oh, I want one of those. Also- so anyway. Um, Yep. Also, also in that room on the wall, there's a giant painting of Captain Hook, uh, yeah. um, and and the Lost Boys and Tiger Lily as well. Yes, yes, I saw that. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, 
So anyway, the kids, the the windows they they open. There's like a there's like a huge gush of wind, and there's this like green smoke that kind of blasts in. The wind picks up, and you kind of don't see what happens to them. Um, and then Peter gets home, and he realizes his kids are gone. And there's a note pinned to the door with a sword, oh, and the so note good. looks like it's it looks like a pirate note. It's um, so and it good. says, "It's so good." It says, "Dear Peter." Your presence is required at the request of your children. Kindest personal regards, Hook. And at this point, he doesn't fucking know who the fuck this guy is. He's like, what the fuck is going on out? My children have just been fucking. And Toodles and the other woman are like, like, I don't know why you would leave your kids with these people. Yeah. Like one of them is crazy and the other one doesn't even know what's going on. So no wonder your kids were taken. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but Jesus. You know. You know, um, but you know, I, 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 I just, I just love what, what Toodles says, because as, as Peter, Wendy and Moira come home, you're right. You know, Toodles is crazy and this woman isn't very helpful. So as they come home, the apartment is completely threatened. The part, the, the, the house is completely trashed. And I love this little production detail as as Peter and Moira go through and up the stairs, all uh, on the wall there is uh, somebody with a hook. You know, messed up the wallpaper on the wall. Did you see that? Oh yeah, I thought that was awesome. I, yeah, I thought that was awesome. But I also love the scene when 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 Peter finds the note and mm. Toodles basically comes into frame. And he says, he, he just says something amazing. He says, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, have to crow, have to fight, have to save Maggie, have to save Jack. Hook is back. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, yeah, I know. And yet, look, 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 look. The other thing that the other thing that we're not acknowledging, but we're going to find out in a couple of minutes is that. Peter has basically forgotten everything about who he is. So he yeah. thinks he thinks he's a normal person. And mm-hmm. what happens in a couple of minutes is just great. Well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you get, I'll let you get to that because because the moment that when that that Wendy tells him who he is is just great. Yeah. Um but he still I mean even after she tells him, he still yeah, he's doesn't so because it. Wendy because Wendy tells him, he's like, Peter, she says, Peter, it's time to tell you. And then she says to him, what can you remember uh, about your childhood? And he says, I can't remember anything before I was 13. So it's obviously all been wiped. Yeah. And so she tries to tell him he's from a place called Never- Neverland. And he doesn't believe her. And she's like, don't you know who you are? And she pulls out like a book, a Peter Pan book, and shows yeah. him like a photo of a, of a of Peter Pan in the book. And He's just like, what, like basically, what the fuck? Like, yeah. no, I don't. Yeah, because honestly, like, if somebody, if somebody came up to me and said I was the Queen of Africa, like, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, uh, okay, cool, yeah, uh, I'll see you at the mental institution. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he, and especially him being a lawyer, so he's he's really he's not even open to it. He's just like very yeah. structural, very like, no, I'm a lawyer, I do this, uh, this Peter Pan shit. That's just, this is a play. This is a yeah. movie. This is not a thing. Right, right. So, yeah. well, but you know, you know, but the, but the, but the main reason why I love that scene so much is the way that, um, the way that 
Wendy delivers the dialogue, and and the the mute the the way that Steven Spielberg shoots it when Wendy brings up the book to Peter before you actually see the photo in the book, Peter does the typical Peter Pan stance with his hands on the sides. You know, it's like the yeah, I noticed that. Like, I noticed that, and also also a brilliant piece of dark ominous music by John Williams in this mm. one section is so so great it is so yeah. wonderful and i love i love what maggie says so you know when she says you know you know uh peter you know don't you know who you are and as you know spielberg just shows peter sort of just taking it in for a moment and then he cuts back to granny wendy and she says yes boy yes and I'm like, that is so good. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about that line, but it's so good. I just love the way that she delivers it. It's like, it's like, oh my God, you, it's like, shit, he's got to suit up and he's got to fucking get his kids. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, but, um, you know, yeah. but, you know, but again, how is he going to do that? Because he doesn't know who the fuck he is. Yeah. He doesn't believe. Um, so it's funny because it's like, it's like, yeah, you're Peter Pan. The next scene, it's like, next minute, he's fucking drinking a whiskey. <laughs> I would too. Um, and then, so he's, he's, I think he's, um, he's in his kid's room. He's drinking a whiskey. He doesn't fucking know what to do. He's like so confused. And then this little round light floats into the window and he starts freaking out and he starts trying to kill it. And then it turns into Tinkerbell. And it's a little fairy played by uh, Julia Roberts. And she tries to tell him, like, who he is, like, to no avail. He's just still like, yeah, even though he's looking at, like, a little Tinkerbell fairy, he's still like, uh, no, this is not a thing. Um, so he, he, he hits, he accidentally whacks her and he whacks her into this, like, dollhouse. And so he's like, what? So he opens it. I can't believe, like, you would be seeing this and still not, like, I understand not believing, but, like, this is like a, I don't know, it's just weird. So anyway, she's trying to convince him and he's like, yeah, no. So anyway, I can't remember it. He gets knocked out and he falls down. And then she, which this is just, I know it's a kid's movie, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. She wraps him in a blanket um, and and flies him because he's knocked out and flies him through the skies to Neverland. How strong is she? I think she is deceptively strong. Um, and, yeah, and 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 I I also I also would like to point out mm. that that Peter, like seconds after meeting her, you know, blows her into the dollhouse and then you know says, "I don't believe in fairies." And then Tink, you know, Tinkerbell says, you know, every time somebody says, I don't believe in fairies, uh, uh, you know, a fairy drops to the ground dead. And the first yeah. thing that Peter does is he goes, I don't believe in fairies. Yeah. And trying to Tink kill her. The- <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? I know. I know. He's trying but, to kill you know, me. You know, but that's neither here nor there. But I do like, I do like uh, Tink's introduction to this movie. I like Julia mm. Roberts in the role. I think yeah. she did a great job. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it, it was just a really, really good introduction. Yeah. I love Tinkerbell in this movie. I think Julie Roberts did a, a really, really great job. So moving on, uh, so he opens his eyes and he's, he kind of peeks through the blanket and when the blanket goes away, he's in like a, 
he's I don't know what you call a pirate land. Like he's on there's docks and there's like a pirate ship and there's there's pirates like doing go like doing their business. Like I don't I don't know what they're doing. There's just lots of pirates walking around, just fucking walking around. He's in a dock. Um, yeah, he's on the docks. Um, so and so he sticks out like a sore thumb because he's wearing a suit. No, but he's taller than everybody else too. Yeah, but I think the suit is what gets people because they're like, wait a minute, you're not a pirate. And so he starts getting shit from people. Then Tinkerbell goes, fuck, come here, come here. So she gets him clothes and she's like, act like a pirate, hunch over, like, arr, arr, like all this shit. And he's like, all right. So he starts acting like a pirate. Um, and then you see um, a specific pirate, which is like the first, I, I call him the first mate um, of, uh, of Hook. Uh, Smee. 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 Yeah, Smee. So good. Um so good. He's carrying a silver hook that's glistening in the sun on a red, oh, red velvet so pillow, good. and he delivers it straight to Captain Hook, which is played by Dustin Hoffman. He Dustin Hoffman plays him so well. He doesn't oh, overdo it. So he good. doesn't underdo it. He does it perfectly because the thing is, this is not an adult movie, so you can't play this as like a diehard villain. You have to play it as a kid's villain but also be menacing. Yeah, but I think he did that really, really – he had a really, really good balance. And his men love him. It's not like the other movies where it's like the like the Wicked Witch. Like, her people fucking hated her. Like – and what was, oh, what was that other – oh, in Last Starfighter, like – like um Zerg. uh Zerg's people Zerg's people <laughs> fucking hated him, right? But this one, Hook's Hook's men love him. They love <laughs> him, they cheer him on. Um, but the only problem I had with this, and and tell me your thoughts, were okay. um the the docks, and then mm-hmm. when you see Hook come out and he's on a big pirate ship, it looks like a set. Um it it looks like oh, a set. Wow. It there's there's if you look at it, there's no – I don't know who did the cinematography, but the lighting, it looks like this overhead lighting. Like it looks like – and you can see behind them. It's it like too bright. It's like, it's like cardboard, like someone, somebody's painted like the sky. Um, it looks like a set, which completely um, took me out of it. Um, and every time they do a scene with the outside of the, of the ship and on the docks, it's so bright. It just looks like it's under like neon lighting. And yeah, so the cinematographer in this movie, I think, um, made a mistake. Did not do a yeah, made a mistake. They didn't shadow anything. It was just like let's just use overhead lights, um, which is something Stephen should have picked up on because of his experience. But I guess he didn't. And everything looked too perfect. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna make pirate docks and a pirate boat, it needs to look shabby. It needs to look old. It needs to look like the boat's been in fights. Like also, it needs yeah it, yeah. I didn't get any of that. But yeah, you tell me, tell me. Also, my look, I I. I, I understand I understand where you're coming from with with uh, with what you're saying here, and I get it. I I totally totally get it. Like like if you were gonna do uh, a pirate movie, you would make sure that it looks grimy, and you would make sure that there are shadows there. You would make sure that the lighting is muted and shit like that. But you also have to remember that essentially Peter Pan is a fairy tale, and and because it's a fairy tale. Neverland has to look a specific way. I'm look, look, I'm not look, I'm not defending the way that 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 Stephen chose to have a set done. I'm not defending the 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 photographer for lighting the the set the way he did. I would have done it differently, but lighting the set this way and having it look this perfect possibly was done on purpose to give 
to give Neverland this storybook kind of feel to it. I think I could be wrong, but but maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah, I would I would assume that that's what they were going for because I don't think Steven Spielberg would let that shit slide. No, um, so I don't think it was a mistake. I just it just took me out of it. Like there's a lot of kids fairy tale movies where it's there's sets that don't that don't look like a set, and I just thought fuck this looks like a set, and especially the last fight scene like. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I get it. It's a fairy tale movie. Like, I get it. And I get that it's probably on purpose. But for me, it just took me out of it. I'm like, oh, my God, that's clearly a set. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Oh, sorry. Did you want to say more on that? Uh, yeah. I Yeah. Actually, I wanted to say um, I wanted to talk about the um, the opening speech that Hook delivers where he says mm-hmm. to everybody, where he says to everybody, I've, I, I've done it, guys. I've done the one thing that is going to drag Peter Pan back here. I've kidnapped yeah. his children. And yeah. I also love what he says after he says, I've kidnapped his children. I, I did the impossible. I went into the other world and I got Pan's kids. But one of you, one of you motherfuckers, he doesn't say that. He says, one <laughs> of you motherfuckers dotted me. Which one of you dotted me? And Hook, before he starts walking down to his ship, because he's basically on, he's on a balcony, right? Yeah. And before mm-hmm. he starts walking down to the rest of his ship, he looks at the floor and he doesn't see the carpet there. And all of a sudden, oh, all yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden, Shmi goes boom, boom. And this, and this, and this. He like kicks this, a lever. Yeah, yeah, he like <laughs> kicks a lever. He like kicks a lever and this red velvet carpet rolls down the stairway and, and reaches <laughs> to the bottom. And as, as Captain Hook is walking through his ship, he goes, no, he goes, you, no, not you. He goes, you, not you. And as as he gets closer to the person that he wants to discuss or the person that sort of doubted him, Peter is standing right next to the person that Captain Hook is about to have a conversation with. And the mm-hmm. reason why this scene is so special, um, I don't know if this is in your trivia. Or, Probably. Okay, so I'm not going to say it. But the the individual that is that, that doubts James Hook starts out by going, no, I didn't doubt you. I didn't doubt you. And then James Hook's James, uh, Captain Hook says, yes, you did. And all that, all that Captain Hook says is the boom box. And I'm like, that is so awesome. When I was a kid, this scene terrified the crap out of me. But yeah. at, as an adult, I'm like, I love the boom box. Please put more people in the boom box. Do you have anything to say about the boombox or or, or 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 that scene in explain, general? Explain explain what the boombox is. Okay, well, the boombox is just basically like this 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 treasure chest with the with the little latch in it, and the boombox mm-hmm. is basically a treasure chest where Captain Hook would put people that he doesn't like, and it has this little latch in it. And uh, after you put people in there, you close the box, open the latch. And, and and then you would you would you would put like 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 killer scorpions into the into the treasure chest, which would essentially kill anybody that's in the box. Yep. And it's just it I just it's, great. Aw- it's awesome. So it's great. I, so I as a kid, again, as a kid, uh that scene scared the shit out of me. But as an adult, I love the boom box. I'm like, please people, put put more people in the boom box. Oh my god! I could list off people to put in that fucking box. Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> There's no shortage of people. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so the speech was great. One of the things Hook says in the speech, which is great um, storytelling and screenwriting, is he tells people why he doesn't like Pan. Because you have, have to have a reason why you don't like Pan. So he explains Peter Pan cut off his hand and fed it to the crocodile, to a crocodile. That's why, that's yeah. why he's got a hook. Because he yeah. fucking hates him and he wants to fucking kill Peter Pan. Yeah, he wants to kill him. And then he go and then he goes on about how he fucking killed the crocodile. Ha ha, I killed, but I killed the crocodile. So that's why he hates him. Um, and then we go through the scene that you just that you've just explained, so I won't go into that again. And then um he hauls up Peter's kids in like a like a net. And he hauls it up on the um on the on the boat. And of course, Peter's there undercover. Peter basically takes off the cape, takes off the hat, the pirate patch, or the the outfit that he's wearing, and he runs straight to them and he said, they're my kids, they're my kids. Now, was that a smart thing to do? No, but no. it's a kid's movie. I'll let it fucking slide. Um, so because basically he outs himself, so he's got nowhere to go now. So he, you know, I think if he didn't do that, um, Hook wouldn't have done anything to his kids because he needs Peter there. So as long as he doesn't know that Peter is there, he would have had a longer time to prepare and then once he's prepared, confront Hook, saying, "Hey, I'm here." But anyway, that's this is a kid's. Yeah, but do you also, know what I mean? yes, but also I do want to point out if Peter doesn't reveal him, if Peter doesn't reveal himself in this moment, then the opportunity to to sort of to sort of set up the crux of the entire movie would have mm. would have have to be done would have have to been done yeah. a, another way. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, I thought the next bit was quite interesting because he says, they're my kids, they're my kids, and he outs himself. And Hook goes up to him and he doesn't believe him. He goes, you're not, you're not Peter because you're older. And I'm like, wait a minute, you you kidnapped Peter Pan's kids, but you think Peter is still a 10-year-old going around having kids? Like, does he not realize that once you leave, you grow up? Like, he, because he's do you know what i mean <laughs> no actually you know what you know what but you know what i'm you know what i kind of i, I kind of would give hook a, a pass on this one because essentially hook has been in neverland for for a long long time so maybe he doesn't know how time works outside of neverland does he know how kids are made yeah, if a ten year old if a ten year old is going around having kids, then I don't know. Maybe that's a thing in Neverland. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, well, maybe that maybe that is a thing in Neverland. But I don't. But I, I, I think I think Hook knows how kids are made. But I, but I, but I think Hook was expecting uh, a, a sort of a younger version of Peter to show up and not this old. Yeah, probably. You know, you know, yeah. not this old broken down lawyer fat version yeah. of his mortal yeah. enemy of Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll let that slide. But I just thought that was funny. I was like, hmm, do you know All how things right. work? So anyway, Hook tells him to fly. He goes, go fly, yeah. save your kids. And he's, and fuck, Peter goes, I can't fly. And he's like, uh, and he goes, I'm afraid of heights. And so Hook Great. starts laughing at this. He goes, imagine Peter Pan being afraid of heights. So, he he basically he tells them he tells Peter go get your kids so Peter climbs the mast and he climbs up and he and he and he's hanging on to the to the to the mast and he's trying to grab his kids out of this net and he just he's too scared like he can't do it he's too scared and you should see the faces on his kids are just like devastated but to be honest if i was him i would have sat up 
right? No matter how scared you are, these are your kids. You find the courage. You find it. You sit up and the, the, the net that they were hanging in wasn't that far away. It was maybe like a couple feet. Sit up. You can easily jump to it. I'd jump on the net, grab onto it. The net, the net fault. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's what I would do. But he was too scared. But again, it's character development. He doesn't like heights. He's fearful. He can't do it. Um, which is good because it gives him a flaw. It gives him a weakness that he has to overcome, which um, which he does uh, at the end of the movie. So but, Hook. Oh, sorry. Go for it. No, I'm sorry. But also, this was actually set up brilliantly by Steven Spielberg and the writer of this movie early on in the plane. So set up. And payoff people, isn't it so wonderful? Yes, it was set up in the plane. It was quite right. Uh, Hook wants a fight. Uh, he wants a war with Peter. He wants a war with Peter, but realizes he doesn't know who he is. He's forgotten everything. You can't have a war with someone that doesn't fucking know what's going on. So he's like, well, what's the fucking point? I don't want a war anymore. Just kill. Just kill the kids. Just fucking kill the kids. <laughs> and, and then Tinkerbell flies in. And kind of whispers in Hook's ear, don't worry, I'll get Peter fighting ready. I'll get him ready for your war. Don't worry. And then he's like, uh, so like like five days and then haggle four days, three days. And they said, okay, three days. You get Peter Pan ready in three days and I'm going to have my war. Yes, yes, you're going to have your war. Yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. So um, this next bit um, uh, was could have been – I don't know why they left it in. It was just – pointless and stupid yeah. and I'll yeah, I'll, yeah <laughs> you know why so peter gets knocked into the water and when yeah, he gets knocked into the water there's three just like beautiful mermaids that come up and they kiss him but basically what they're doing is they're giving him air so he can breathe why not one of them tried to untie him or take him to the surface is beyond me i don't know why they couldn't couldn't have untied him but then it like it i feel like there was a scene in between that scene that got cut because it was that scene, and then it's like the next scene is he's getting hauled up to the treetops. Um, it in, did not make sense at all. In a giant clam. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, there was something that was cut because this movie is already fucking long, but they yeah. could have cut that out. Yeah. Did it? So, no, I yeah, mean, it was no, a bit I mean, weird. I mean, I mean, it, it could have been. I mean, there, there are a thousand ways that Spielberg could have gone from Hook making a deal with Tinkerbell to Peter finding his way to the, to, to where the lost boys are in the forest. But the way that he chose to go about it was kind of unbalanced with the mermaid thing. And then Peter being hoisted up in a clam, which we got no explanation for. Yeah. I mean, look, Tinkerbell could have just taken him there. I mean, she can carry him. So she could have just taken him to the treetops straight from Hook's ship, which would have made no. more sense and it would have cut that scene out. No, and the other the other question I'm thinking is that she saw Peter go into the ocean and why the hell was she shouting for him? Why didn't she go in and go get him? Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Hook says, if you don't bring me Peter Pan in three days, I'm going to, he basically says, if you don't bring me Peter Pan in three days, I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. That's what he basically says. So if she doesn't, listen, if she does not get Peter Pan ready in three days, she's fucked. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, the other thing that I don't like is when Peter Pan gets to, gets to, you know, the forest where the Lost Boys are, Hook, I mean, Tinkerbell is just in her house sleeping. And I'm like, 
aren't you fucking, you just made a deal with the most dangerous guy in Neverland. And after Peter falls into the ocean, you leave him there and go back to the forest. What the hell are you doing? What? Like the way that she acts in those two scenes is ridiculous. Mm. I think she thought once she got to the lost boys, they would, they would take care of the rest. Oh, I don't know. I'm just making up shit now. Yeah, no, but the, <laughs> no, no, but the thing is, the Lost Boys don't even know the deal that she made because, I mean, I'm 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 jumping forward yeah. because I'm jumping around a little bit, but she's the one that tells the Lost Boys about the deal that she made. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she doesn't. Yeah. She hasn't. She hasn't told anybody. But it's just it. It's it's. I mean, it's his little. It's his little tiny things that kind of don't make sense to me. But I digress. On you go. Yeah. 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 So. um we're at the treetops uh, where, so basically the, the whole structure of Neverland, so, cause we don't see it in it, its entirety. There's a huge ocean um, and you see Hook's ship where, where the docks are. And then the treetops are basically on this like massive cliff um, way, 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 way up high above the ship, above the ocean. So that's kind of the geographical kind of thing we're working, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, so the treetops is where the lost boys live, not the vampires. They're, uh-huh. they're, they are actually fucking lost boys. Um, don't get excited. We're not doing the lost boys movie. Not yet anyway. Not yet. So anyway, um, so they're all kids. They're all kids, which reminded me of the Stargate Atlantis episode where Rodney goes on the thing and they're all kids. And and yep. and, and it, w- it would be like my worst nightmare. So like I really <laughs> connected with, with Rodney on that episode and he was just like, get me the fuck out of here. And I was like, fuck, I'm with you, man. <laughs> fucking, let's fucking get the fuck out. So yeah. Such a, I mean, just, just real quick, that's such a good episode. I love that episode. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, they're all kids um, and they say, because Peter's like, where are all the grownups? And they say, well, all the grownups are pirates. And it's like, oh, okay. And so they don't believe, because uh, Tinkerbell comes in, this is Peter Pan. They don't believe it, obviously, because he's an old guy. They remember him as a 10-year-old kid and they chase him around. There's this is like chase scene that happens and he's trying to get away from them. Um, and they're still not convinced. Tinkerbell's still trying to tell them, oh, it's 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 Peter Pan. And they're just like, nah, it's not. And then one of the boys um, begins, um, to, I, 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 I love this scene, because the head boy, what's his name? Rufio. What's the head boy's name? Rufio. He comes out. Rufio. And he's a. He's, oh, sorry. I'm Rufio. Yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> so he's he's the leader, and he comes out, and he's got like a like a sword, and and he basically sword. says, yeah, he basically says to the boys, whoever doesn't, whoever believes that, whoever doesn't believe that this is Peter Pan, come to my side. Whoever believes he's Peter Pan, stay on his side because he's standing he crosses, opposite Peter. Yeah, he crosses. Uh, he. First of all, he shows up and he and he makes a line in the sand, and that's where he says his speech. Yes, and so all the boys cross except one little really cute boy, and and he reaches up to Peter and Robin Williams kneels down and he starts touching his face, kind of like um how a blind person would recognize you; they would touch your face to recognize you. And it was really really sweet and really beautiful because he his face lights up. He goes, "It is Peter! It's Peter!" Just by the touch of his face. I don't know who came up with that, but I thought that that was absolute. Not that they believed it. That's a whole nother scene. But that was just a beautiful moment of just him touching his face and realizing it is him. It is him. Actually, um, fun fact, I don't know if you had this in your trivia. That was not in the script actually. That was something that um that was something that I think Robin or Robin or Steven came up with on the day. Because there there was this there was this whole other thing in the script about how this kid was gonna 
convince everybody that um that you know this was actually Peter Pan, but Robin Robin or Spielberg came up with that thing that the kid does. And you're right, it's just a it's just a really simple, really beautiful way of illustrating that you can't judge a book by its cover. And also, again, the music that that Robin that that um that John Williams chose to put over the scene is just beautiful and wonderful. It's got this epic small motif to it. It's just so great. Um, I didn't know that, but whoever came up with that, it was really, really beautiful. Really, it slowed everything down, yeah, which is good because you just had like a – it was everything's been so fast-paced, and so it just slowed everything down. Yeah. Uh, the next scene – oh, sorry. Go for it. Go for it before I also, go on. Also, there's a – there's a there's a really really I I don't I don't know if it's right now I I actually I think it's a little bit later I know actually but um uh there's actually a favorite moment of mine when Peter first meets the Lost Boys and he first you know he first gets he first meets Rufio he, and Rufio goes you know you said it Rufio goes we kill you know all all grownups are pirates and we kill pirates right. And Peter goes, I'm not a pirate. And Rufio goes, you know, he goes, I'm not a pirate. I'm a lawyer. And Rufio takes a beat and he goes, kill the lawyer. And it's just, it's just, it's just one of my favorite scenes. And then the Lost Boys go chasing after him for like 20 yeah. fucking minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a so fucking great. long chase scene. It's a long it chase is, scene. It is so great because he goes, kill the lawyer. <laughs> oh my God. He goes, and, and, and then he goes, and he goes, I'm not that kind of a lawyer. It's just so great. It's just so great. Uh, so the next scene, I love this scene because, I mean, look, Dustin Hoffman and Hook, they're two peas in a fucking pod, aren't oh, they? so great. So it's so funny. This scene is so funny. And it says a lot about Hook's character. Everything is just said <laughs> in this fucking scene. So, so he's saying... Basically, I fucking hate Peter Pan. I fucking hate Peter Pan. Like he's sitting there moping. I fucking hate Peter Pan. <laughs> and then he says, "Cause Smee's there, right? His first mate." And so he says, "He goes, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go tell myself." And then he goes, and then he takes a pistol and he puts it to his head. I'm gonna do it. I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna d- kill myself. You know, don't try to stop me. Don't tr- do not try to stop me. And then he, and then, and his first mate Smee's just staring at him like he doesn't know what to do. He goes, "Don't try to stop me." Try and stop me. What are you doing? <laughs> Try and stop me. And the first mate goes, oh, shit. So he goes, he pulls the gun away. And it cooks like, what's wrong with you? You didn't even try to stop me. You're some kind of a sadist. <laughs> and then and, he's, and Smee's like, no, no, no. And then and then he starts, he sits down, moping. He starts on again, I want to kill myself. And Smee's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> like It's just like, there, 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 there. Like patting his head, there, there. No, you don't want to do Like he, he just wants attention. <laughs> he's like a child. Yeah. And I thought that that was so fucking funny. Um, but what we do, we get that out of the scene. But what we also get is he's trying to figure out how to get to Peter Pan. And so his first mate says, I have an, I, 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 I basically he says, I have an apostrophe. Epiphany. And Hook says, do you mean an epiphany? He goes, yeah, say that. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. And then he says, you need to, what you need to do is make Peter Pan's kids like you and basically make them hate him. 
And he's like, no, that can't work. He goes, yeah, yeah, make them like you. You can do it. And Hook's like, oh, maybe. And so that's the end of that scene. But I love that scene. It's hilarious. He's just, he's a little kid himself. He's just an attention seeker. He's not really a bad, he's like the Wicked Witch. He's like, is he bad or is he not bad? We don't really know. But um, tell me, tell me your thoughts on that scene. I, yeah, no, no, no. That scene, that scene is absolutely wonderful because that shows you how starved for attention Captain Hook is and how bent on fucking killing Peter Pan Hook is. And that also tells you of how long he's been in Neverland um, because because he, he, he mentions, you know, I've been killing lost boys and Indians for most of my life. Uh, so 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 by that we by that we already know that Hook has been in Neverland for quite a while. Right. And he is physically mm bored and depressed and he and he basically doesn't know what to do with himself but i also would like to point out before hook goes to his gun uh chest to go get the pistol um he actually uh, uh smee actually says a small little line he goes are you being dramatic again so smee <laughs> actually smee does smee actually does know what he's going to do but he sort of lets him do it anyway yeah, and I, I, I just, I absolutely love how when Shmi comes up with the idea to make Peter's kids love James Hook, James Hook eventually st- says, "Oh, Shmi, what a great idea I had!" So I love how, <laughs> I love how Shmi's the one that came up with the idea, but Hook yeah. thinks he came up with the idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a great scene. It's, I, I pro- it's probably my favorite scene um, so in good. the whole movie. Um, The next scene is a little bit of a short scene, but we get a lot uh, out of it. Uh, Peter's like, he needs to fly. He needs to learn how to fly. And he's not, he's not doing it. And Tinkerbell tells him a vital piece of information to help him fly. And she says, "You one happy thought, just one happy thought is going to make you fly. And he just can't get there. He cannot, like, he eventually obviously does, but it's just that little bit of information. It's like, oh, okay, okay. So that was, that. that's a little scene. It's a short scene. Um, and then the next scene, uh, Hook is now trying to convince Peter's kids, um, basically that he's the good guy and Peter's the bad guy. And I, I, I love how the way that he does it is, is so cool. It's like, oh, well he could have gone to your baseball game, but he chose not to work is more important. Do you know what I mean? And so the boy is like, the son is like. Exactly, exactly. The son is like, oh yeah, he, he chose not to come. The daughter is having none of it. She's just looking at him like, you're a bad man. I don't want to hear what you're saying. Fuck off. I she doesn't Maggie, say that. Man. I, love I, lo- I love her. She's just, she's awesome. And then basically Smee has to take her out kicking and screaming and she's telling her brother, don't believe him. He's lying. Don't believe him. And the brother's like, because the brother already, it was set up that he fucking hates his dad. So it doesn't take much convincing to really push him over the edge of that. Anything mm-hmm. to say about those scenes before I move on? Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. Those scenes, uh, first of all, first of all, um, the scene where Tinkerbell, you know, basically says to Peter, for this to work, you have to believe and you have to have one happy thought. That also says something about Peter's psychological mindset and maybe as to maybe the whole reason as to why he's addicted to work. He cares about working because 
he doesn't remember a large part of his life. Like a, a large part of his life is missing. So all so so all those happy memories are are void within him. So maybe that does. I think I I think by that one scene you understand why Peter you know was the way that he was in the early part of the movie, and and that scene sort of makes you understand how we got that way. But if I just could say a couple things about the a couple things about the the, the classroom scene, I I. I I love that Hook uses reverse psychology and try and 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 tries to turn his kids uh, uh, tries to turn Peter Pan's kids against him by saying, "When your when your parents were younger, they were happier without you. They used to go dancing all night. They used to have parties. They used to be happier without you." And I love that he focuses that he primarily focuses on. Uh, he primarily focuses on Jack, and 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 bringing up the fact that Peter wasn't able to go to your game, that he wasn't able to do this, and he wasn't able to do that. But I also love that Mag that um, that Maggie is having none of it, and she just and she just wants to go home, and she just views Hook for who he is, which is a bad man. I love how that scene takes advantage of all the character development that was already laid out with Jack and it just takes it 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 just uses that character development and it and it uses it to great effect. Yeah, I agree. It was a great scene. It pushed the story forward. I think a lot of most I don't think there's a scene in this movie except the mermaid scene that doesn't push the story <clears throat> forward. Um uh, um, another scene that pushes the story forward is the next scene where Peter's sitting at a very, very long table and there's bowls and there's cups and it's, it looks like there's a banquet but there's no food. And then the lost boys, they start grabbing the food but there's no food. They're pretending and they're pretending to drink and they're pretending to make sandwiches and, and Peter's sitting there like, what the fuck? And he's like, uh, where where's the food? And they say, if you can imagine it, it's real. Can you... Let's just digress for like one second. Can you imagine if that was a thing? If you can imagine it, it's real. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Can you imagine if if some kid goes, "Oh, uh, I want there to be like flying fucking sharks." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like that would be so fucking dangerous. Like it would, yeah, wow. it'd be so. It would be like, yeah, it would be no good. Wow! I think what the I- earth would implode within a week. <laughs> no, but I would. Oh, oh, what wouldn't I do if I had that power? Oh my god. That's the thing. Like, even if you're a good person, you're not going to use it like for like good all the time. You're going to use it for like naughty things. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Humanity can't be trusted. Anyway, no, let's move on. So anyway, um, they say if you can imagine it, it's real. And so he's sitting there. He's like, what? And so him and the lead boy, the head boy, as I call him, they have Rufio. an insult. Rufio, they they have an insult contest where they're just so chucking insults at each other, and the insults don't really make sense. They're just making up words, putting them together because it's a kid thing. Um, and then after a second, he's trying to throw adult insults at him, and then he realizes he doesn't get it. And so what he has to do is he has to tap into his childlike essence and start throwing childlike insults at him, something that's really going to get him annoyed, and that kind of was the was the change in him because as soon moment. as he that was the moment because as soon as he started acting like a child suddenly the table is full of food 
it's full of all this food. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? And they're like, well, you, you're beginning to imagine, you're beginning to believe. And I think, again, that scene pushes the story forward and pushes his character development forward because now he's tapping into it. I I absolutely love that scene for two reasons. Number one, because it's a it's a great scene because it also illustrates you it also illustrates how how far Peter has grown up and how much he's forgotten. And look, he's been he's been in Neverland for a bit now, but he still doesn't truly believe. And this is the and this is the one scene where he sort of he sort of he sort of goes all in with it. And I love that one scene, uh, that moment when he starts trading childhood insults with Rufio. But I also love the moment where he uh, where he makes an insult about a gynecologist. As a kid, look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid, I, I didn't get that line. But as an adult, every time that he says that line about the nearsighted gynecologist, I just lose my <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, Peter does something really great uh, when he says, um, you know, you know, Rufio is nothing but a but a punk kid with a Peter Pan clunk with with a Peter with a with a case of Peter Pan envy. That is so so great because all throughout the movie, Rufio is sort of like, yeah, I don't want this motherfucker to remember. I I just want to stay in power. I ha- Rufio has a he has a vendetta against Peter for some reason. And I just love how in this one scene Peter calls him out for it and you sort of and you sort of see the you sort of see the re- the the reasoning why Rufio sort of feels this sort of anger or jealousy towards Peter Pan. And I just thought that was done quite wonderfully. Yeah, it was. It was. So the next scene um, is Hook is basically convinces Peter's son Jack to hate him. So, you know, it takes him to a – I don't know why Hook hates ticking clocks. He's got this oh, I, thing with oh, ticking one. clocks. Yeah. You don't know why? You don't remember? No. Uh, no, clearly not. Okay. Okay. So uh, 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 do you mind if I do you mind if I fill you in? Go for it. Tell me. And tell okay. our audience. Okay. Tell everybody. So the reason why Hook hates ticking clocks is because in the original Peter Pan story, right, mm. Hook loses his hand by, you know, Peter Pan chopping it off in their first fight, right? Mm. And uh, and a an alligator eats his hand, right? Mm-hmm. But before the alligator eats his hand, the alligator eats a clock, right? And 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 every time this alligator pops up in the original story, the 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 original writer of Peter Pan did something great. So every time this this alligator is about to show up, you hear the clock ticking, right? And right. that's the reason why James Hook hates clocks, because every right. time every, every time that he hears a clock, he remembers the trauma of getting his hand chopped off and eaten by this fucking alligator. Right. Okay. So that with makes a, sense. With a with a with a damn clock in his stomach. Yeah. Yep. yep and yep, that's yep. why he hates clocks. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Because in this scene, he takes he takes Robin uh, Rob, he takes Peter Sunjack to a clock shop. Now none of these clocks he doesn't care he doesn't 
have an issue with looking at clocks. It's just if he hears the ticking, that's when yeah. there's a problem. So then yeah. he hears a ticking clock and he's like, which fucking clock is ticking? So Shmi's there smashing all the clocks. Fuck it, which one is it? Which one is it? And then we find out it's Jack's holding it. And he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And you're like, oh my God, this guy really does not like ticking clocks. But he manages... Uh, that scene also is important because it pushes home the fact that he doesn't like he, he doesn't have an issue with clocks just when they tick, and also he, he that's the point which he ab- absolutely convinces Jack Peter's son to hate him because then Jack starts smashing the clocks saying you didn't come to my baseball game smash you didn't do this smash like as if he's like hitting his dad um, so that was quite a powerful scene anything to say about that before I move on yeah also I mean um, also. Um, the the watch that Jack has is the watch that Peter gives him the uh, the scene before he goes to the benefit for Granny Wendy. And the reason why Peter gave him that watch is that Peter says, look, he, well, well, this is early on a scene, but uh, uh, we missed it. It was kind of this little tiny moment. Peter says to Jack in that scene, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it all back. Just give me a second. Peter says to Jack in that scene, look, Jack. I've realized that I've been acting like a fool and I want to give you a peace offering. When I when uh, uh when I was a when when I was a kid, my adoptive father gave me this watch. And now I'm giving you this watch so you can pass it down as a family heirloom, right? So I think so so I think it is very very striking that Jack breaks that watch first. Yeah, and, it's symbolic. And, and and then starts breaking everything else. Because mm-hmm. as he's breaking everything else, you can see the actor who plays Jack, he's starting to lose it. And he's starting to mm. he's starting to really, really really, really let the emotion come out of him. And Hook knows it. He sees it. So he so 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 he basically says to Jack, listen, I will never do what what your father did to you i will always be there for you right and when hook says that jack just starts to break down and he says he tried to be there but he couldn't be there he failed he but you know he 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 tried but he he just couldn't all he had to do was reach up and he's referring to the scene where 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 peter had the opportunity to get him out of the net but he couldn't right so i so i think that's a great scene at showing how far Jack has fallen in not believing in his father and, and believing that his father doesn't care about him. And that's really important. Yeah, that's really, really important. Um, the next scene uh, I thought was quite the, – the beginning of it was quite funny because the Lost Boys um, – there's a there's a baseball match going on, and P- Peter's son Jack he's playing, he's batting. And at first, I thought, well, oh, par- how do pirates know how to play baseball? But then Captain Hook, again, it's excellent screenwriting, has a piece of dialogue saying that that Jack actually told them the game, the setup of the game, the rules, and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay, so like that's that's fine. Um, so anyway, the Lost Boys they show up. But they pretend to be pirates, so it's also, just like a a boy sitting on a boy's shoulder. So they look like children. I don't know who they're convincing, but I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Also, also, I do want to bring up another point here. Yeah, as Captain Hook is turning his, as Captain Hook is turning Peter's parent is turning Peter's children against him. I do want to mention that Captain Hook does have files on Peter Pan as an adult, because. 
Because in the scene earlier, when they're in the clock museum, before Hook says that thing to Jack, he was never, he missed your baseball game. Shmee is standing right next to Hook and he shows him this document. And I think that on the document it says that Peter missed the game. And that's how Hook knew how to bring that thing up. So it I must found, have. Yeah, so I find it really awesome that before Hook kidnapped these kids, he he was smart enough to do research on Peter as an adult. But <laughs> also, also, that does beg the question as to what, what you said earlier. If he did all this research, how did he not know what Peter Pan looked like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's so so it is really cool that Hook did all this research. But how how come he wasn't able to get a picture of Peter in all this research that he did? Yeah, I don't know. We'll just leave we'll just leave that to the yeah, side because it's a yeah, kids' movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, we'll but agree. um, yeah, it's not. It's not. It doesn't. Uh, to me, it's not really that important because we are watching a, a kids' movie. So I kind of let a lot of stuff slide. Yeah. Um. So anyway, they're having the baseball game. Um. The Lost Boys are there. Peter's there. He's undercover, and then Hook takes his hook off. And he puts it next to him and the Lost Boys need him to steal it. And so Peter reaches up to steal it and then he sees his son Jack playing in the baseball game and he decides, oh, wait, I need to watch this, which is like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? You want to get the fuck out of there or do you want to watch your son play a game with pirates or do you want to save your son? Like I would have taken the hook and then gone, but like, look, whatever. That's just a me no, thing. Um, no, no, I, tell no, me. I, no, I think, no, I think it's very, very important. Um, I, I think, I think it's a very, very important scene because all throughout the movie, we have been shown how bad of a father Peter is and how he was never there for the most important moments of his son's life. And in this one opportunity, he's actually there. But his son doesn't know it, so that's what that's what makes it more heartbreaking. Yeah, and, no, it is, and, it is, it is, it is. And what and what makes it even more worse, we'll get to in a second as the game goes on. But I, yeah. I thought that scene was extremely, extremely. I thought that scene was extremely important because that's the first time that that's the first time in the script and in the movie that you see Peter actually showing up to see his son mm. play a game of baseball. It's it. To, to me, it was much more effective. Yeah, yeah. So um, his son is batting. His son hits the ball and he hits a home run. And everybody's celebrating him and, and all the pirates lift him up and Jack's so it. happy. Oh, okay. Um, and Hook's there and he's happy and he's celebrating him. Um, all the pirates are celebrating him. And it basically – I like this because it pushes Peter to try everything he can to fly because he's like, no, this is bullshit. I'm not having this. So I liked that part of it. What what was what was the issue that you were having with it? Um, one issue, right? Okay, so oh, also in this scene, uh, a hat on the ground is laid is uh, a hat is laid on the ground early in the movie in the baseball scene early on in the movie that Jack can hit a curveball and. He mm. hits the curveball for a home run off of Shmi. So that is another hat on the ground that the writer laid out that was picked up beautifully. But when Jack hits the curveball for a home run, I do not like the way that Stephen shot showed this shot of the ball 
going up in the air, and then he just cuts back to Shmi saying it's a home run. That that shot looked like the looked like the looked like the ball was shot up straight into the air for a pop up. Like I would have, I would have. This is just me being the baseball fan that I, that I am. I would have loved if Steven Spielberg would have gone wide on that shot, and and we would and we would have seen the ball being smoked out of the stadium or or wherever. It would have worked so much better if he would have gone wide instead of just showing the baseball going up into the air. I wish Steven Spielberg would have gone wider for that shot to show the ball going out of the stadium. Uh, I I thought I, I I did not like that shot. Okay. Um, the next scene. Um, it, sorry, did you want to say anything else? Yeah. Also, uh, you mentioned that after this scene, Peter really gets his shit together and he's and he's really desperate. The reason mm. that he's really desperate, I think, is after Jack hits the home run and comes all the way around to home base, Hook says, "That's my boy. That's my son." He goes, mm. "He goes, that's my Jack," and then. Mm-hmm. And then Spielberg cuts over to uh, Peter saying, my Jack. So that's the moment where Peter's deject- you know, Peter walks away, de- you know, dejected. And that's the moment that really sets him on the path. He goes, fuck it. I've had enough of this. I have to figure the shit out. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. The next scene um, is... <laughs> It's interesting. It's interesting. It's we get backstory on Peter, and so as a baby, he was in his uh, pram or stroller, and he was over. He overheard his mother saying she wanted a structured life for him. She wanted him to be a lawyer and then a judge and then marry and then have like two point five kids and all that shit. And so his stroller basically. Um, started on its own kind of going, it was already kind of on a hill. It kind of go, it goes down a hill. The mother clearly doesn't notice she's too, she has her back turned towards him. Um, and he didn't want this or uh, he didn't want that life. He didn't want that structured life. He didn't want to grow up and be this person that his mother wanted him to be. And so his pram rolls down a hill. And then the next shot is somehow he's now on the ground um, being pelted by the rain. And this is a real baby. Okay, it's not one of those fucking shit fake babies that they use now. It was a real baby. So the mother let the production put rain on this baby. This baby is crying, which I didn't fucking like. I was like, what the fuck? And then Tinkerbell randomly finds him and takes him to Neverland. I don't like I That's the shittiest backstory ever. How can a baby overhear a, a mother and then decide, oh, that's not what I want? And then how is a baby getting out of the stroller and how is Tinkerbell randomly there? Like I don't I didn't like that at all. No. This this is this is the one <clears throat> this is the one moment in this this is the one moment in the film where I saw it today as an adult and it is as an adult and as a screenplay writer saying this does not work at all. This is absolutely ridiculous. Because there's no way a baby could overhear this conversation. First of all, he's a fucking child. There's no way that as a, uh, there's no way that as a stroller would go down the hill, there's no way that his mother wouldn't hear that. And why didn't his mother go running after him? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. understand that. And yeah. and the whole thing and the whole thing about Tinkerbell finding him is like. 
that's Ryder's convenience. I, I, I did not yeah. like, I did not like that scene at all because to me, to me, this script has been fucking perfect so far, but that's the only blemish from a screenplay standpoint in, in this whole movie so far. Cause I thought that yeah. that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so it, we're still on his backstory and now he's a boy and he's come, he came to basically see his parents, but then he's realized their parents have moved on. They've got a new kid and all this shit. And he's like, well, fuck, they don't, they don't even fucking care about me. And then he finds Wendy, um, and basically visits her until she turns into Maggie Smith, basically. <laughs> um, yet he never ages. She ages, which is why she's so much older, um, than he is. And, Wendy shows Peter um, when she's old, when she's Maggie Smith, Moira, which is her grandchild, uh, which is now his wife. And they were at the same age when, when Wendy introduced, introduced Peter. And um, he, he says something changed in him when he saw her. It's like, it's kind of like love at first sight. Like it's like the minute he saw her, he didn't want to leave her. And he was willing to give up everything for her, which I thought it's really nice. He just wanted to be with her forever. And, and, he remembered that um, when he, Jack was born, he always he want he always wanted to be a father, and he realizes the first time he held Jack in his hands that is that is his happy thought, and now he can fly. So I thought that bit was plausible. Yeah, um, I you know what I really I I I didn't like the the beginning of Peter's backstory as we just discussed, but I really thought. That the moment when Peter goes into see Wendy several times in his life, and when Peter lays eyes on Moira for the first time, I really really like that scene because it, it uh, because I also really really like the way that uh, Wendy reacts when Peter says, "No, I'm going to give her a real kiss," and and Wendy says, "No, Peter, I I can't bear it. Her, um, you know, you know, uh, uh you know, I can't bear." I can't bear Moira's heart breaking when I tell her that she can't keep you. And I was like, damn, that is such mm. a good fucking line. Yeah. Like, I I really like Peter and Moira in this movie, and I don't know why. And you know what? Mm. I, th- I, I think I put my hand on it because their relationship is a loving relationship. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's got its problems for sure, which are which is mostly Peter's fault. But they mm. really have a loving relationship, and I think the way that I think the way that the writer of this movie and Stephen set up their first ever meeting was so wonderful. It was so sweet, and it was so romantic that I just loved it. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought it was really great. Um, but yeah, now he can fly. So the next scene, you have to fucking explain this to me. I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Peter's talking to Tinkerbell, Um, and then (laughs) so you okay. So and then suddenly she becomes full size human in like this like fairy tale dress. I don't know how that happened. And then she tells him she loves him. She kisses him, and then she turns back to her small size. End of scene. Explain this. This really this really uh, drives home a point from the original Peter Pan story. because because in the original Peter Pan story, when when Wendy is first introduced in the original story, Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell, Tinker, whatever, Tinkerbell is really jealous of 
of uh, of uh, of um, of uh, Wednesday, right? And and in the original story, Wednesday is it? No, I'm sorry. Well, uh, um, um, <laughs> Wendy is it Wendy Wendy's, or Wednesday? When uh, oh Wendy Wednesday uh, uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wednesday. So. So. It's Wednesday, is it? Oh, shut up! I'm trying. I'm trying to think. You're confusing me. Shut the fuck up! Oh my god, I lost it. So wait a minute. So, so hold up. Can you just shut up now? I'm trying to think. Um, I'll be quiet. I promise. Thank you. So, 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 in the original story, Tinkerbell is really jealous of of um um Granny uh uh. uh uh, Wednesday, whatever fucking I can't. I, I'm still. I can't. What Wednesday? Oh my god, oh my Wendy, god. Wendy, 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 Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. Yeah, uh, uh, in the in the original story, Tinkerbell is really jealous of when of uh, 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 Wendy. So she goes and she poisons Wendy. Right? She 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 poisons her. So um so so in the original story you really understand that Tinkerbell sort of may have these feelings for Peter that she's never been able to express in a certain way. So I kind of like how Stephen and the writer of this movie took that little idea from the original story and sort of used that idea to justify this scene. But with that being said, this scene didn't need to be there because this scene didn't make sense. It served no purpose and bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only, yeah, exactly. The only, the only, the only purpose that this scene sort of served is when Peter, when Peter finally became Peter Pan, he sort of forgot why he was there for some, yeah, yeah, inexplicable reason. Yeah, and this scene served as a, as a way to remind Peter, no, the reason that you're here is because you came to save your kids, and you have to do that now. Mm -hmm. But other than yeah. that, the scene was pointless to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the next scene is quite funny. Hook has dressed up Peter's son like him, like a little mini-me, which is so funny. I don't know why. I find that, I find that so fucking funny. Peter so shows up. He can fly now. He shows up with the Lost Boys. There's a huge fight that happens that takes – It's. it felt like it was about 35 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it was – It was long. It was a long sequence, yeah. It was long. Um uh, Peter tells his son that he can fly because of him. He is his happy thought, which is really beautiful because it kind of brings them brings them back together. Um, there's a fight between Hook and uh, Ruf Rufio, is that his Rufio, name? yeah. Where Hook actually kills him, and as he's dying, he says to Peter, "I wish I had a father like you." And Peter's son overhears oh. this and realizes, "Oh my god, I actually do have a good dad. Like, what the fuck am I doing?" Um, and says and kind of takes the wig off that he's got on to look like Hook, and he says, "I I want to go home." And I love that. That was his realization moment. I thought that that was so cool. Um, before I move on, is there anything you want to say? That that is such a good sequence because I I can't imagine how how long it took them to film this giant battle sequence. It was so so great. And the thing that I loved about it is when Peter first shows up. You know, the pirates are kind of overwhelming him. They capture him in a net at a point. And there's this moment where Peter goes, 
bangarang and all the lost boys show up and they fucking storm the storm the fucking boat but there's also this moment where peter pan says you know everybody form ranks and you know you know steven you know steven sort of pans the camera over to hook and his guys and you know and and, and hook says form ranks and then in in one moment you know uh hooks it hook says charge and they just they just go whoosh and it's just this really small moment but it is so so fucking awesome and like you said i love the moment where jack realizes that look my dad has changed and he truly truly loves me but unfortunately that moment has to be the moment where rufio dies i don't listen i don't think that rufio deserved that to happen to him like I don't. I don't know if he was supposed to die in the original script. I think. I look. Don't don't quote me on this. I think he was supposed to live, and I think Stephen or somebody decided to change that on the day. Um, I'm I'm not too sure about that, but the decision to kill Rufio was such a good decision because that yeah, not only that because that not only affirmed to Jack. That he had a good father, but that also made that also fucking pissed off Peter to the point of walking away from all this shit and almost leaving Neverland until Hook mm. sort of sort of sort of poked him into one final fight. Yeah. Um. So see. So yeah. So Jack says to Peter, "I want to go home," and so Peter has no reason to fight Hook anymore. And so Peter walks away from Hook and says, like, I'm done. I've got my kids and I'm going. And Hook is standing there like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what the fuck? Like, this is a fight. I don't I don't get it. And then Peter's daughter, oh, fuck, I love her. She yells at Hook, you're in need of a mother. <laughs> Very badly. <laughs> Very badly. Also, and also, then, also, yeah, so also um, if I could just say one tiny yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I love how, as the battle is going on, mm-hmm. uh, at a point, Hook says to Hook says to Shmi, which is like his first mate. He says, mm-hmm. "Shmi, do something intelligent." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Shmi <laughs> runs runs into runs into Captain Hook, runs into Captain Hook cab, runs into Captain Hook's cabin, and he starts stealing all his shit. <laughs> 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 I just, I just love that. Um, so yeah, so after the daughter yells that profanity at him, Hook doesn't like he's like, no, like this is the fight. So he threatens Peter. He says, Look, he's never gonna stop. He's never gonna stop coming after him. He's never gonna stop coming after his kids, his grandkids, going down the line, like he's never gonna stop. So you better fucking fight me now, basically. And so Peter goes, Okay, I need to end this. I'm gonna fight him now. So there's a um there's a there's a there's a fight sequence, but um I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, the the yeah. fight sequences in this movie are good, but they look choreographed. Yep. Like it, I know it's a kids movie, but they look yep. like like when Hook lunges, it's like Robin Williams steps back a fraction before, like he knows it's coming, like it looks choreographed. It looks like a, it no. looks like a play. That's what it looks you like. Know, maybe that was what? what they were going for. You know what? That's all right because I was watching this. I was watching the fight today as I was watching the movie cuz for the discussion and yeah. at that point, at during the final fight, I noticed Robin Williams was he he sort of he sort of braced himself several times during the fight, and I'm like, does he know he's doing that? Yeah, 
And, yeah. And the and the other thing, if I just could say really quickly before you mm-hmm. before you keep talking about the fight, yeah. I don't like how uh, there's this moment where Hook has Peter up against the sharpening thing that 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 they use to sharpen Hook's hook, and mm-hmm. Peter is about to get run through by Hook, and Maggie says, "I believe in you." Jack says, "I believe in you." And the ticker, and I'm like, that's not necessary. He's already Peter Pan. Why are you? Uh, oh. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you didn't have to do that. Do you have a? Did, um, um, did you have a problem with that? Because I sure as hell did. I have a problem with the last se- the the entire last sequence of the fight. So they're on the docks, they're fighting, and then they move to, um, it's like a it's like a pit area, and there's a yeah, large a crocodile with a clock in its mouth, and they're mm-hmm. kind of fighting around it. Um, you know, and, and uh, hooks on his knees, Peter has him and his wig comes off and you see, he's just an old man. He basically says, I'm just an old man. I have no threat to you. And then Peter goes, oh, you know, fine. That's fine. You know, threat to me. Like, like as if he's just told you he's fucking going to kill you and your family. So he turns his back and then hook goes, ha ha. I was joking the whole time. I'm going to kill you. Um, the issue, and I get, it's a kid's movie. The issue I have is that it's such a cop-out in films where the writers do this thing where it's like we have to keep the good guy the good guy. So the good guy can't actually kill the bad guy. We'll just make the bad guy do something stupid to kill himself. That'll be good and that'll take all the shit off the good guy. And I f- it's such a cop-out. No, no, I hate that. Yeah. Look, look, look. I, I, I agree with you. The, I, don't, I don't believe that I don't believe that you ruin good characters by making them do something that is absolutely necessary. And in my opinion, I'm like, this motherfucker, Captain Hook, killed Rufio. So this motherfucker mm. has to go. Yeah. And if Peter killed Hook, I I I I, I in my mind that in my mind that takes away none of the goodness that Peter has within him. It's just something he had to do because he killed fucking Rufio. Yeah, I mean, look, he didn't. Did he have to kill him? I don't know. They could. There's a thousand. They they could have thrown him in the brig or something. But then again, his men love him. It wouldn't have worked. But so what happens? Just for people that are listening, quickly, I'll summarize that it. Didn't, yeah, that he didn't gets. Make sense anyway. Yeah, his hook gets stuck in the crocodile fucking crocodile thing. He can't get it out. The crocodile thing falls on top of him. Um, And it looks like the crocodile, like this giant crocodile, is like eating him. But then we find out that he's somehow escaped, even surrounded by everybody. He's somehow gotten away. We never find out where he is. We never found out how how he escaped, which was, to me, ridiculous. Um, But, yeah, that's the end. Who knows where he is? He's he's gone somewhere. Is he he still going to come after Peter Ban? Probably because he's still fucking alive. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, um, well, that's not quite the end because there's this wonderful, wonderful scene where the when the kids come back. Um mm-hmm. do you wanna do you wanna talk about that or you want me to do it? You you go for it, go for it, go for it. Okay, so uh uh when that happens, before Peter goes back to our reality, he promotes someone to be the leader of the Lost Boys, which is the fat little kid thing. Yeah, which fine, whatever. Um <laughs> sorry guys so um the the next scene and, and this is sort of the final scene of the movie sort of you know wrapping everything back up mag um <clears throat> moira is in the nursery where her kids were taken 
Ma- uh, Maggie and Jack come flying in to the bedroom and they see their mother there lying there. And, and Maggie says, she looks so beautiful. Let's not wake her up. And they go back into their beds. And Moira wakes up. And Moira is obviously fucking stressed out to her mind. She's probably, you know, she's probably ready to kill herself because her kids are fucking missing. And her husband is missing for no reason. So she is probably stretched out to the nines. And I love the scene where Wendy comes in. I got her name. Wendy comes in. (laughs) And she goes, oh, have you been awake all night? And Moira says, you know, sometimes when I'm dreaming, I, um, what, you know, when I'm dreaming, I wake up and I look over and they're still in, and there's, st- and, and, and there they are still in their beds. And mm. when she says that, she looks over to one of the beds and, and, and Maggie just pops up and says, mommy. Mm. And then, and then Spielberg does this pan over to see Jack and she just says, and he says, mom. And they, and they get out of the beds and they run towards, they mm. run towards Moira and Moira, just loses it. She collapses yeah. to her knees and starts sobbing out of pure joy. That scene to me is so fucking wonderful. And mm. the amount of mo- the amount of emotion that the actress who played Moira gets out of that scene is so fucking fantastic. There's something so beautiful and so wonderful about that scene. I absolutely love it to pieces. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I love it to pieces. Anyway, I'm glad you brought it up. Because yeah. I didn't actually have that written down. Yeah. So I'm glad you I'm glad you said it. <laughs> anyway, um we, we cut outside to Peter unconscious on the ground. He wakes up, he starts looking around, and where Peter is, there's like this sort of fountain sort of thingy thingy. Mm. And there's this guy cleaning glass off the floor. Mm-hmm. And you know who the guy is? The guy cleaning glass off the floor is Shmi. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, does he know who he really is? Or was all know. this movie, <laughs> was this whole movie a giant illusion? That Yeah, that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. So so that really didn't make any sense to me. Why would yeah, me too. why do you think why do you think Spielberg decided to do that? I don't because because no by, by by doing that, that sort of that sort of breaks the illusion of everything that he that he just went through, no? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. And um, and do you want to talk about the uh about the hat on the ground that was that was laid way? Oh yes, the yes, yes, yes. When Moira threw the phone out the window, you want to talk about that real quick? Yes. Um. So um, after that scene, there's there's really I love this. Tinkerbell comes to see him. Now he doesn't. He's disorientated. Peter. He still thinks he's in Neverland. He still thinks he's a ten year old kid. And basically, Tinkerbell has to kind of bring it out of him. No, you're back home. You have to be kind of an adult now. And this my favorite piece of dialogue in this movie, and it brought a tear to my eye. It's so beautifully written. And she looks at Peter and she says, "You know that place between sleep and awake. That place." where you still remember dreaming. That's where, that's where I'll always love you. That's where I'll be waiting. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to fucking cry. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, so anyway, he remembers. He's like, oh, my kids. Oh, my wife. Oh, my God. And so he, he, he gets back to his backyard and then he hears a phone ringing. He goes, what the fuck's that? He picks up. His phone is still in the sand from when his wife, in the sand, in the snow from when his wife threw it, uh, threw it there. And, he 
well, the one the one issue that I had before he picks up the phone is they have a dog that they keep outside in the snow. I have an issue with that, a big issue, because I'm an animal lover. I know he's got a dog house, but, like, you're keeping a dog out in the snow. I don't care how much hair he has. I just thought, mm, that's not mm, that's not really good. But that's just that's just a fucking me thing. So anyway, Peter um, gets the call. He picks up the phone and he's like, yeah, I love that. It's, I love when he picks up the phone. He's like, hello. He goes, fuck, have you been on the line this whole time? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, my God. Okay. And so he's basically, I think he basically, he, I think, he, he comes into the house with the phone. He sees his kids. He sees Maura. And he goes, no. he says to Maura, oh, hold on. I just need to, just need to take this call. And then he throws the phone out the window. And he's like, right. nah, we're not going to, we're not going to go back there. And yeah, so that's a huge arc for his character. Yeah. Also, yeah, also, um, when, when he takes the mud, when he takes the phone out of the mud, he sort of relates everything that he went through to Brad on the phone. Mm. And he climbs up the drain pipe and he tries to get in, but the but the window is locked. And he's watching mm. he's watching his family be reunited and he, he starts knocking on the window, panicking, thinking no one's gonna let him in. And Jack is the one that lets him in. And when when Jack first opens up the window, Peter Peter says to Jack, I told you never to leave this window open. All serious and shit. But then he says then he breaks down and Jenny just takes his takes Jack into his arms and hugs the crap out of him. But I love the moment when he sees his wife for the first time. Now, granted, he's been away for a while. He was just taken away to a fantastic land called Neverland. It's been a while since he's seen his wife. And I just love how he walks over to her and he kisses her. It's just so beautiful, so romantic, yeah, it's nice. and so great. And that's when the phone rings and that's when he chucks it out the window. But also yep. really quickly here, there's a really, really mm-hmm. awesome moment. There's a there's an awesome button on this movie. In the beginning of the movie, when we first met Toodles, the guy that opened up Oh yeah. The the, the, the guy that, that, that opened up the door when Peter, uh, uh Moira, Jack, and um and uh, Maggie first showed up. The guy that opened up the door and said, It's snowing. And slam the door back in the and slam the door back in their face. The the thing that this guy says when we first meet him, he goes, "I lost my marbles. I lost my marbles." And we learn in a scene at Neverland that that Toodles did actually lose his marbles in Neverland because because he was he was a lost boy. And uh, Peter, um, um, as a gift. He brought Toodles his marbles back. But the one thing that he didn't know is that these marbles were were Toodles' happy thought. So when Peter gives Toodles these marbles, they have they have the, the they have the magical dust. So Toodles takes off and he presumably flies off to Neverland. So I thought that that was a lovely way to end the movie, and that was a lovely way to pick up the the last sort of tiny piece, uh, the, the last hat that they put on the ground, I thought that was a lovely way to end the movie. Um, it was. It was. Um, the last line of dialogue in the movie, though, I absolutely love as well. And Peter, Wendy, Moria, and the kids, they're standing and they're watching Toodles, like, just fucking float out into the distance. 
And Wendy says to Peter, your adventures are now over. And Peter says, oh no, to live would be an awfully big adventure. And then it ends. Beautiful dialogue, beautiful, beautifully ended. Um, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, so do you want to move on to your trivia? Yes, I do. Okay. So um, on the flight to London where he's like gripping the seat, um, the, the pilot comes over the microphone and says, this is your captain speaking. That's actually Dustin Hoffman talking. Really? Yeah. That's Hook. Oh, this okay. is your captain speaking. Okay. I had no idea. Um, Carrie Fisher actually did a draft of Hook. Huh? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. There, oh, wait. There's something There's something about this. There's a piece of trivia that I have, but I just want to wait to see if you picked up on it. But, oh, no, but go for it. Go for it. Tell me. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. But you finish and then I'll, I'll come in with this one more thing. If you don't have okay, it. so so Carrie Fisher did a, a final look of the draft. She, I don't know if people know this. Carrie Fisher is an amazing screenwriter. She doesn't she, know this because yeah, every yeah, she was, everything yeah. she was because everything she, she does, she does it hidden and she doesn't promote it. They just every time someone has an issue with the script, they literally take it to her. She's done so many rewrites on scripts, and nobody knows it's her. But she was a brilliant screenwriter, and she don't, never get credit for it. And she actually wrote my favorite dialogue when Tinkerbell says, "In my dreams, that's where I'll be." That's what Carrie Fisher. That's part of what she wrote. So she's brilliant. Um, anything you want to say about that, or I'll move on. Yeah, I well, well, I well, I I I knew that Carrie Fisher was an accomplished writer, but it just. It just boggled my mind how she never really wrote that many scripts. She was always, she was always, uh, she was always this. She she felt very comfortable being a script doctor, but she yes. never really she never really wrote a lot of things. Yep, yep. Um, the next piece of trivia is what you were going to say in the beginning about the pirate that they threw in the box. So go for it. T- say the trivia. Oh uh, no 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 uh, no no no! You can do that. You can do it. Do it. You want me to do it? Yeah, you can do it. All right. Uh, well, the pirate in the beginning that was locked in the box um, with the scorpions is actually played by Glenn Close. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, <laughs> but it yeah, is. I, yeah, I have. I have. I. I like. Like as a kid, I was like, wow, like no, but as a kid, I, I. I obviously thought that was a man, but you know, when I got older, I learned that piece of trivia, and I was like, why would that is so I know. odd? Like it's so strange. so random. So strange. Um. <clears throat> On, on still on Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher was actually Steven Spielberg's uh, prototype for Tinkerbell. What? Which I thought was cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, uh, next one is David Bowie actually turned down the role of Captain Hook. David Bowie? Yeah, that would have been weird. That <laughs> would have been weird. So weird. Um, Steven Spielberg actually doesn't like the movie. Oh no. No. He huh. he had a lot of trouble on it. They went over budget. They went over they went over everything. There was okay. a lot there was a lot of stuff he wanted to fix. He didn't get to fix it and he's just he just does not like it at okay. all. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's fair." Um this is interesting. Uh so when they were filming Hook, John Voigt um, actually asked if he could bring his kids to meet Hook because they were huge fans of, of Peter Pan. So he brought a 16-year-old Angelina Jolie to set oh, because wow. she said she wanted – so she 
she said to Dustin Hoffman she wants to be an actress. And when he, when Dustin Hoffman got home, he said to his wife, I don't think this kid has any idea what a rough ride she's in for. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and he, yeah, and he described Angelina Jolie as tall, gawky, and with a mouthful of braces. <laughs> a, ma- a mouthful <laughs> this of braces? Angelina Jolie, yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. That's so great. Wow. I love that. That's um, such a good story. I know. It was It was fantastic. So the last bit of trivia was not really about the movie, but just about Peter Pan. So Peter Pan was originally a play um, that was um, invented or thought of by James Matthew uh, Barry in 1904. That's how old it is. 1904, it was originally a play, and he based all the characters on his best friends and his and his best friend's family um, growing up. In 1911, it was actually turned into a novel, Peter Pan, and that's where we get the Peter Pan of today from. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's um, and, my trivia. Yeah, and also, actually, I have two more additional pieces of trivia. The first one is about the author who you just mentioned. He initially based all these the, the characters on on um, on his friends' kids, but the one thing that our audience may not know is that as when when um, when he was when he was actually putting together the the story, he actually performed the story for his friend who he based the characters on because his friend who he based the characters on she was actually dying. At the mm. time, so he actually put to, he actually put together one of the first performances of the play for his friend in her house. Very cool, very cool. Um, so 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 she could actually see the play before she died. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I so I just thought that that was a really really nice piece of trivia. And my final piece of trivia, um, I. I, I don't know if you know this, but one of the screenplay writers of this movie is Nick Castle. And for those, uh, of you, oh no, no, <laughs> I didn't know that actually. I didn't. I didn't even say that. Okay. And for those of you who have been paying attention, Nick Castle has also written a movie that we've talked about on the show. But most importantly, <laughs> Nick Castle is the shape. And for those of you who have been living under a fucking rock for all your life. The shape is um, is Mike Myers from Halloween. So Michael I Myers, think, Mike Myers is Austin Powers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Michael Myers, thank you, uh, Michael Myers, thank you. Um. So so I found it really really amazing that Nick Castle is famous for playing one role, but he's from from what I've seen, he's a really accomplished writer as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty good. He's pretty fantastic. But just leave it. Just fucking leave it. Just leave it. I'm gonna wrap the show up. Just leave it. <laughs> just yeah. leave it. Yeah. I'm wrapping the show up now. Okay. So, like I said, I'm gonna wrap the show up. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed um, our little jaunt or frolic through through the world of of hook um if you want to email us with questions or if you want to request we review anything you can email us at the mixtape pod at aol.com.com oh my god did i say dot com yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> oh my god 
Oh my god! Oh, what the like, hell? So we're leaving there. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, we're sorry. Let me just <laughs> shit. Yeah, we are leaving it. Oh my god, that's so funny. Okay, the mix. Okay, that's fucking take two. <laughs> down, if you want to, if you want to email us, email us at the mixtape pod at aol That's the email. Um, next week, up next week. Uh, we have a movie, a little movie called Soylent Green, starring Charlton Heston. Have you seen this? Have you seen Soylent Green? No, I have not. Do you know anything about it? No, I don't. Beautiful, beautiful. It's a great movie. It's 1973. Um, yep. Uh, so I'll just I'll just leave it there. Um, hopefully, you can join us next week. And remember, if someone is kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must mean that they really love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.